the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. Our text this morning is taken from Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. Okay, we're going to read that momentarily. The title of the message is Paying the Price for the Presence of God. In March of 2007, organizers of the Michael Jackson Convention in Tokyo announced to thousands of Michael Jackson fans that they can have an opportunity to talk to Michael one-on-one, face-to-face, for a bargain price of $5,000 per minute. For a measly half a million yen, uh, you can talk to the king of pop, have your picture taken with him, and have him sign his autograph on, on, uh, on his record that you own. If you think that that's a hefty price, you'll be surprised that nearly 500 people signed up. And Michael Jackson and the organizers of the event made $2 million for half a day's work. How much would you pay to be in the presence of a celebrity? I know I don't have a $5,000 to see any celebrity. Let's get closer to home. What are you willing to do and what are you willing to pay for that new smartphone that's about to come out? I know a lot of people will wait for hours, even days, to line up outside the store to be able to be one of the first ones to grab the latest gadget. Price is not an issue. How long are you willing to wait in line to get a table at your favorite restaurant? What are you willing to do to be in the presence of that person whose heart you want to win? Whatever it is that matters to us will replace a great deal of worth. We are willing to pay the price to achieve it. Do you ever wonder why that is? Why people are that way? And you'll be surprised this morning that God wired each and every one of us to have that kind of longing, to have that propensity or that tendency to pay the price for something or someone we deem to be of great worth. God placed that 
in the inside of us. Everybody in this room has that propensity. God placed that in the very depths of our soul. And that's called the desire to worship. God placed that within us for His benefit. Not for other benefits or not for our own, certainly. But I want to tell you this morning, you and I, everyone in this room, every time we pay the price for something or for someone that we deem more worthy than God, we violate the purpose of our existence. And the Bible calls that sin. God said, I created you with that desire and that ability to worship so that you can, in fact, worship me and have fellowship with me. But because we are tainted with sin, we often misplace that focus and that ability and that desire into something else. Do you ever struggle with that? I know I, I did. Many years of my life. If you struggle with that, welcome to the human race. It isn't automatic for any of us to wake up every morning with a desire to fellowship and worship God. Not at all. Instead, we have the tendency to do the opposite. In fact, uh, Paul said, The things that I want to do for God's honor, I don't do. The very things that I'm not supposed to do, those things I do. Wretched man that I am, who's going to save me from this body of death? Oh, but praise be to God through the Lord Jesus Christ who gives us a new birth and restores us to that desire to fellowship and worship with God. Jesus says, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God and therefore will not be able to experience the true and very real presence of God in their life. The reason Jesus died on the cross is to offer us eternal salvation. He suffered a great deal on the cross to deal with our sin. Because that sin causes us to worship someone else or something else rather than God. He did that in order to save our souls. And once our soul is saved, we can now be true worshipers of the living God and have genuine fellowship with him Jesus paid the price for that what about us let me ask you this morning what price are you willing to pay to be able to, re to respond to what Jesus did for you are you willing to pay the price to experience the presence of God in your life maybe you're here this morning and you you don't know what it means to be a child of God. You don't know what it means to be saved. That's, by the way, that's a Christian word we use to describe a person who has come to a, a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The word saved, saved from sin. Maybe you think this morning because you are a good person and you're fairly religious that somehow you can assume that you have that relationship or that fellowship with God. I want you to know that you don't have to assume. You can know and you can experience fellowship and true worship of God. Then again, maybe some of you are here this morning and uh, you did come to faith in Jesus. But you're not experiencing the presence of God in your life. I want you to know you can grow. 
you can strengthen your faith. You can have a strong sense of God's presence in your life. But there's a price to be paid. Now, I want to make something clear this morning before I go on. When I speak of experiencing the presence of God, I'm not talking about some wild experiences like uh, some Christophany uh, where we actually see Jesus physically. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about some wild visions of God manifesting himself in some strange way. I know in some traditions, including ours, are very big into these manifestations. And I'm not one to judge anybody's experiences. All I know is that our experiences must be measured according to the revealed Word of God. But I'm not talking about those things. When I speak of experiencing the presence of God, I want to make it clear that I'm talking about a deep inner assurance of the soul that God is present. The kind that Paul talks about when he said, the Spirit of God testifies to my spirit that I am a child of God. It's the kind of presence that emboldens us to live and move and have our being, to will and to do God's good pleasure. I'm talking about what the hymn writers call blessed assurance, what revivalist Jonathan Edwards refers to as an internal sweet delight in God and the things of God. I'm talking about what Augustine calls the awareness of God's majesty and meekness being infused together that moves us to worship and fellowship with Him. That's what we're going to talk about here this morning. To those of you who are followers of Jesus already, this experience of God's presence doesn't come free. We need to pay the price. It's not automatic. And our text this morning, the prayer of Nehemiah gives us a glimpse of what that price is and what we have to pay to experience that presence. Nehemiah's prayer found in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. I'm going to read it and you can join with me in reading. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was still in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. And its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept for many days. I mourned and I fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant in praying before you. Today, night and day for your servants, the people of Israel, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Let me just give you a little bit of a background of how that prayer came to be. As you know, the nation of Israel was in exile and they were in exile because of their long-standing disobedience 
uh, to the law of God. And, and Nehemiah was an Old Testament figure who was favored by God and called by God to go back to make sure that Judah, to make sure that the walls of Jerusalem was going to be restored. And he, he found favor with the king of Persia who, were, who was their captors at the time and, and was given the authority to go back and do what he needed to do to the city of his God. The circumstances, around, circumstances surrounding this prayer has to do with Nehemiah's realization that God has withheld his hand or his presence upon his people due to their sin and disobedience to God's decrees. Nehemiah's prayer of intercession for himself and his people did not come from a place of strength and courage or boldness, not even from a place of confidence. It came from a place of humility and contriteness of heart, realizing that their problem was not that they did not have a nation, not because Judah was in ruins, not because the walls of Jerusalem was destroyed. He realized that their problem was that God's hand has not been felt and experienced by the people in powerful and profound ways. And let me tell you this morning, people's problems today, including so many of us who are professing Christians, has nothing to do with the economics, has nothing to do with disasters, has nothing to do with tragedies, not even viruses. The problem is that the reality of God's presence it's not being experienced in profound and powerful ways. And Nehemiah's prayer gives us a glimpse of the price we have to pay in order to have that internal sweet delight in God, knowing that He is present. Four ways to experience the power of God's presence. Number one, the most obvious and the most basic way is through persevering prayer. We want to experience the presence of God? Persevere in prayer. Not just prayer, but persevering prayer. Prayer must persevere. Look at what the text says. When Nehemiah saw that the city of God was ruined and its walls was destroyed, the Bible says Nehemiah prayed for some day. You see, in ancient times, a city without walls is defenseless against different forces. There are no parameters, no boundaries, nothing to restrict, nothing to control. Anyone can come and go and impact the place for good or for the bad. It's a sign that a city is without a ruler. Either the ruler is deposed or there's absolutely no ruler at all. And now, life without God is like a city without walls. It's unprotected. It's cluttered with chaos. There are influences coming all over the place. Some good and some bad. And there's no sovereign ruler. Prayer is the wall that brings the rule of God in our life. A prayerless life is a rulerless life. It's simply impossible to believe that God is present without paying the price of persevering in prayer. Not praying simple prayers. Prayers that bring forth 
the very real presence of God. What does it mean to persevere in prayer? It means we continue praying until God somehow and some way responds according to His will. You know, when I invite uh, preachers to come and preach in our church, it's inevitable that they will ask me the same question. Every single one of them. They will come to me and they will ask me, Pastor, how, how much time, how long do I have to preach to your congregation? And I will jokingly, only a little bit, jokingly say, until we repent. That should be our attitudes, attitude when we pray. We need to pray until God reveals something about us. Something that we need to either remove from our lives or bring into our lives. We need to pray until God reveals maybe some sin that we are harboring in our heart. We need to pray until, until maybe we can deal with that doubt. We can deal with that anger, that hatred. We need to pray until God reveals to us uh, some kind of fear that we have. Whatever it is, you know God is present when you and I begin to feel a sense of conviction coming. The problem these days is when we pray, we usually pray because we want something from God. And we expect nothing more than an answer from God. Uh, the very purpose of praying for many of us, certainly that was the case for myself, was simply to get an answer. But persevering prayer is not concerned about answers. It's concerned about experiencing the presence of God. And you know, God is present when you start praying for something that you want God to do for your life, and instead you start feeling uncomfortable with some of the things that are going on in your own life. You start getting convicted about something, maybe some sin. You start feeling terrible about, about certain things about your heart. And let me tell you, that's not the work of the devil. The devil is not in the, pro in, 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 uh, in the business of, of uh, convicting people. He's in the business of condemning people. Uh, if the devil is in the business of conviction, then, um, you know, God wouldn't have a job. But no, when we pray for something and God begins to reveal something in us that we need to change, then we know that we are experiencing the presence of God. The power of praying doesn't come from the answers. In fact, God doesn't always answer our prayers. No, the true power in praying comes when we receive the assurance that the peace, the hope, and the presence of God is real in us. If you have doubts about God, persevere in prayer. Pay the price. Persevere. Don't stop. Don't give up. Continue to seek Him. The Bible says, Seek me and you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. Jesus practiced this type of prayer. The Bible says that Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spend the night, all night, 
praying to God. Now, Jesus is the incarnate Son of God. <laughs> uh, really? Do you think Jesus prayed all night because he wanted to get answers from God? No. He prayed because he wanted to commune with God. He wants to experience the reality of that presence with God. In Luke chapter 22, we find that Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples followed him. And in reaching that place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw behind them, beyond them and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Was Jesus' prayer answered by God at that moment? Thank God it wasn't. Because if God answered Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane, we're all going to hell. No, God instead sent an angel to comfort Jesus so that he can persevere and go through that plan. And that's the way we ought to pray. You know, we read this, this verse in Philippians chapter 4, and many of us have memorized this. But we don't really look into it to find out what God really wants to do. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Does it say it will give you what you need? Does it say it's going to give you an answer when you pray? No. It simply says that when we pray to God, when we persevere, God will give us His peace. He will give us His joy. He will give us His gladness. And that's more important than any answers we can get from God. There's a second way to experience the presence of God, and that is through persistent pleading. Not just persevering praying, persevering in prayer, but also persistent in pleading. We need to learn how to cry out to God. Why? Because it removes our pride and builds our faith at the same time. Pleading to God tells God we are sincere. But doesn't God know already whether we're sincere or not? Of course He does. But it doesn't stop him from challenging our sincerity. There's an illustration in the gospel about this point. It's found in Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. It's about this Canaanite woman whose daughter uh, was demon-possessed. And she was desperate to get her daughter healed from this demon possession. So she started following Jesus and pleading her case, crying out to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Heal my daughter. And, and Jesus' disciples were getting annoyed because she kept on pleading her case. She's persisting uh, that Jesus pay attention to her. But Jesus, if you read this, and I, 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 I trust you, you, you would, Jesus seemed to ignore her. Just Jesus continued to walk, but she wouldn't stop. She continued crying out. 
And so Jesus turned to her and Jesus said, It is not right for me to give to the dogs what belongs to the children. That's mean. That's cold. How could Jesus say something like that? But Jesus wasn't being mean. He was being true. Why? Because this woman was a Canaanite. And Canaanites, if you read the Bible, they're not known for being decent, holy people. They're known for their paganism. They're known for their wickedness. In fact, I would guess that the reason why her daughter, this Canaanite woman's daughter, was demon-possessed has largely to do with their pagan practices. And that's why Jesus says, give me one good reason why I should pay attention to you. Why I should give you what belongs to those who are children of God. And here's a turning point in this whole story. She acknowledged. She acknowledged what Jesus was saying about her. You know what she said? She says, yeah, even dogs can eat from the crumbs that fall from the table of its master. That's all Jesus needed to hear. And Jesus says, you have great faith. Go your prayer has been heard and answered. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Lapson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. It's a church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life, but with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, located at 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m., They would be honored if you decide to visit them.